Thank you for listening to the Park Church Podcast. I hope you enjoy the sermon. Jews. I wish I'd never been sent here to be the governor of this God-forsaken land. They're a rebellious lot. They're an arrogant lot. They're a stiff-necked people. But it's my lot to make sure that they obey Rome. And so recently, I returned from visiting Rome, and I rode into Jerusalem, and the centurion guard were with me. We wanted to impress upon the Jewish people that we are in charge, that you will do what we say and we want. Caesar is God and Lord. Well, that's the public PR bit over. Personally, Rome's a mess. Infighting, all sorts of immorality. My wife warned me to behave myself when I went there. The army looks impressive, but we've had to fill it with all these foreigners in order to keep it going, to rule an empire that, frankly, doesn't want us, and do we really want them? And as for me, what do you see? Proconsul in a palace, ruling a country. But in truth, I could wash my hands of the whole thing and go back home and be with my wife and my family. But I can't, because this is my job. This is what I do. I now have been sent this rabbi, this rebel, Jesus. I'd heard about him. His fame has gone before him, so I'm told. Seemingly, when I came into Jerusalem, there was another entry, but not nearly as impressive as mine's. But when I spoke with him, there was something about him that was different, different from his own people. I've met often with the religious leaders, with Sanhedrin, they call it, who, who, who seem to know the law and quote all the regulations and everything else. But for me, dry, dusty. When Jesus sto- stood before me, it wasn't very comfortable. I tried to impress him with who I was, and he told me that the only authority I had was there because God had given it to me. I tried to tell him that I was in charge, but he reminded me that God was in charge, that all the stories that I heard were stories, but there is only one who is the truth, the way, and the life. I don't know anything about religion, but this Jesus was different. And I tried to get him released. There's a practice at this time of year, the Passover, that someone is released as a, as a sign of goodwill from the imperial Rome. And you know what? 
they'd rather have that. Well, there's women present, so I can't explain what I think of Barabbas, apart from the fact that he killed some of my soldiers. They'd rather have that terrorist, that murderer with blood oozing out of his hands, released. That doesn't tell me something about what their religion is like. Three times, three times they say no. We don't want that Jesus. And they shouted for his death. They even had the cheek to tell me that if I didn't get rid of this so-called king of the Jews, they'd, they'd tell Rome that I was a traitor to Caesar. So what can a man do? They're a big crowd. Hard enough to keep them happy. Maybe one life given up for the sake of the peace of the people might be sufficient. Maybe he's the sacrifice that has to be made in order that peace can be brought. It always haunt me to see him led out with that crown of thorns. The crowd, the crowd that had welcomed him supposedly, now shouting for his death. But what can a man do? I'm only human. And I'm powerless. Powerless. Not only over the crowd, but the fears that I have in my heart. Rome fancy garb. I'm washing my hands of it all. I had been a follower of John the Baptist. Do you remember him? I'd been one of those who thought that he was the Messiah. But very quickly, he made it clear to me and to everybody who would listen to him that he wasn't the Messiah, but he was the last great prophet of Israel, Elijah, coming to prepare the way for the Lord, to point to the one who comes. And I still remember the day when he pointed to Jesus and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who comes to take away the sins of the world. Little did I know what that really meant. But I've been getting to understand what it means now. How could this have happened? People heard him gladly. They followed him. They shouted for him. He made the blind see. He made the deaf hear. The lame walked. People who would never have darkened the door of a synagogue, rushed to hear him. He spoke so different, as if God was real and alive. And he was, as we walked with him in the roads of Galilee and of Israel. Not just in the times when the crowds came to hear him, but those times 
when we used to just sit together. He was a friend in the way that I'd never known a friend. He was a brother who was closer than a brother. He spoke to me of a God who cared and knew me, yes, me, with all the thoughts, with all the things I say and do, the times when I recite the commandment that you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and strength and might, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself, if God only you what went on in me. But Jesus said he did. And yet he still loved me. And now this, the disciples were wrecked. Most of them are hiding away for fear of what's going to happen to them. I couldn't because this man loved me. He loved me. And I'm beginning to remember some of the things he said. Someday I will write them down. I am the good shepherd. And I've come to give my life for my sheep. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to God apart from me. I'm the door that opens that lets you into God's very presence. I'm the bread of heaven, better than the manna that Moses ever received. And just the other day, he said at the tomb of Lazarus, his friend, as he cried, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, even though they die, yet they shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. How can that be, God? How? Here's his mother. She told me that an old man had come and had told her when Jesus was taken to the dem- the, dem- the, the temple that a sword would pierce her own heart. And that he was set for the rising and falling of many. Her heart's broken. What mother wants to see her son on that? The symbol of condemnation. And yet he's invited me through the blood and the sweat and the pain to make and to bring this woman into my family. Lord, I'll do anything for you. For this is love that you first loved me. And gave your life for me. His day in Israel's history
How could I have been so blind? How could I allow fear to shut me up? The very Passover festival, the blood of the Lamb over the people that would spare them from the judgment of God. From the earliest of my days, I was told that story as a rabbi, as a scholar, as a, as a member of the Sanhedrin. It's my job to uphold the festivals of Israel. And yet, how could I have been so blind? And yet, I know what made me blind. I thought I knew it. Do you like me? With my gown on, it's not often the congregation see me looking even semi like a minister. quite nice to. I had that many initials after my name, taught by the best rabbis and teachers of the law in Israel that you can hardly get them onto the, to the, the scroll if my name was to be written. I was the new boy in the block. I hadn't always been part of the establishment, but money and friends can get you Lot of places. And I thought that's what would save me. I thought if I wore the right clothes and had the right kind of accent and you the right kind of stuff, I'd be all right. And I was all right. My friend Nicodemus, we thought we were okay. And then one night, Nicodemus went to see Jesus. He went at night. Not good to be seen to be associating with some folks during the day. Walls have eyes. And he said, Rabbi, I don't really understand what you're saying. You speak about God as if, as if he can be known. Not known about, but known. And, and you talk about changes in people's lives and well surely the the rule the law the 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 the, the, the religious rituals that we go through is that not enough and you know what jesus said to this man he said he needed to be born again he needed to be changed inside just as surely as physically he was born of a woman so he needed to be born of the spirit of god Nicodemus went home that night and couldn't sleep. Because there was something that Jesus said that seemed to ring true, and yet it just also seemed to be nonsense. But then perhaps the wisdom of God is foolishness to those like me who are so slow to believe. And as I sat, and as I saw, as I kept quiet while that trial, what a farce it was. They paid people to say lies about him. And I kept my mouth shut. But all the time as I sat there, and this charade took on before me, and he stood before them,
holy scrolls of Scripture rang out. Who has believed our message? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? He grew up before him like a tender shoot and like a root out of dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him, nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain. Like one from whom people hide their faces, he was despised and we held him in low esteem. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering. Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted, he was pierced for my transgressions. He was crushed for my iniquities. The punishment that has brought me peace was on him and by his wounds. I am healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us have turned to our own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before its shearers is silent, so he did not open his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away, yet who of his generation protested? For he was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgressions of my people, he was punished. He was assigned a grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death, though he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it was the Lord's will to crush him and cause him to suffer. And though the Lord makes his life an offering for sin, he will see his offspring and prolong his days, and the will of the Lord will prosper in his hand. After he has suffered, he will see the light of life and be satisfied. By his knowledge, righteous servants will be justified, and he will bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will give him a portion among the great, because he poured out his life unto death and was numbered with the transgressors. For he bore the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressions. Oh, my knowledge is nothing fit for the bin. I need to know him and his power for he is the lamb slain for me and in my tomb and for my death he will lie he will rise. Is it this evening that you cling on to? Yes, even as a Christian tonight, 
your status in the church, your knowledge and your learning? Or is it actually just, in truth, your pride? Those things that you clothe yourself with, which is not the righteousness of Jesus Christ, but your own garments of self-esteem. as dirty rags before the living God. For although your sins may as be as scarlet, deep, powerful, potent, obvious or secret, although they be like scarlet, the grace of God in Jesus Christ can make you and me as white as snow. Pilate had his pride. Joseph had to come to the end of his status. But John the loved one was the one who loved him. Oh, he loved him. Because he knew God had first loved him. Thank you for listening to the Park Church Podcast. I hope you enjoy the sermon.